0: On this episode of the Fieldhouse Files, I'll touch on the Pacers' recent four-game road trip, the offensive showcase and a loss to the 76ers, and then this will be fun. I'll bring on former Pacers writer Conrad Brunner. You haven't heard from him in a long while. Well, he'll join to share stories of longtime BR director David Benner, who we lost one week ago. And then Justin, a Pacers fan from down under, and part of the Paceroos podcast, talks about his recent visits to the states to watch the Pacers.
1: And I know that the Old house Files has a prolific following. You know, I just want to be Damn. careful about sharing too much with the world. Hi, this is David Barramini, relations. I'm either on the line or away from my desk. Leave a message at the beep. I'll get back to you as soon as I can.
0: And welcome into the Fieldhouse Files, the podcast where I take you behind the scenes with the Pacers, talk to individuals on and around the team, and tell you what you need to know. That voicemail you heard is still his voicemail at work. And he updated it every single day when he was the director of media relations for the Pacers. He passed away at 67 years old last Wednesday and will be celebrated coming up on Wednesday. But first, a little bit of basketball talk before we remember the great DB and have more conversations here on this podcast. Well, it's been fun to have the team back in town here after they were away for a 10-day road trip. What T.J. McConnell said felt like a month. Rick Carlisle said felt like much longer than less than two weeks just because they had two days between several different games. And In some situations, you may have come home, for example. They played in Orlando on a Saturday, then had Sunday, Monday, before playing on Tuesday. Ordinarily, I think you would come home, but it was a special experience for them then to go to Dallas, where three of them are located, not full-time, but uh, spend significant time there. That's where Miles Turner grew up. It's where Rick Carlisle coached for 13 seasons. And it's where Buddy Heald has a house and spends a lot of his off seasons. And one of the special things that they did there, the idea of Rick Carlisle and assistant coach Lloyd Pierce, was to hold morning shoot-around on that Tuesday morning at Buddy's home, which has a, a couple courts and baskets. And there's been many teams that Buddy has opened it up to in terms of you know maybe an AU or a local college, for example, to use it. That's in large part why he built it so uh, he could get it court time in all the time that he never had to try to go find a court to get shots up and that type of thing in the off It's a spectacular house second only to Tony Romo Rick Carlisle told me in the preseason for a story I've been working on Uh, so that will be a good read I think once I can get to it here but he had to enjoy kind of showing off his house and welcoming the team in and then they went on to get a big win two points over Dallas with Luca and Kyrie and you know who felt best about that had to be Rick being back in a place where he won a title, where he knows so many. But the kind of maybe the writing was on the wall there, and probably going to part ways eventually, just a matter of time. But uh, so then he took this Pacers job and is doing quite well here in Indiana. But to go back to where you once coached, of course you want to get the win. Of course you want to kind of show off and show your new new team and what you're up to and and have success. And so he, the team was able to help him do that. So that's two wins to start the road trip. Then they go to San Antonio and have perhaps their worst game of the season. Don't even score 100 points. Not going to spend much time on that. Uh, It was just a pitiful experience and showing from that whole group. Then to wrap up the road trip, four-game trip, they went over to Chicago where they got the win thanks to Tyrese Halliburton nailing a three over Patrick Beverly. And you have all of that fun back and forth and Good drama, if you will. Uh, How Tyrese leaning into all that Patrick Beverly had to say after the last time they met and all those different things. And again, it shows how Tyrese is not afraid of taking the big shot. In fact, he has the confidence and wants that shot. It's good to have the Pacers with another player that loves it, Chris Dorte really good at buzzer beaters. So they went 3-1 on that road trip. And more than anything, what I believe that road trip was about was this team continuing to build, to grow, to get to know each other. More about coming together as a team, reemphasizing team principles. Sometimes things that you preached in training camp and early parts of the season can get lost or you just get away from. You're not practicing, not nearly as much as you used to. And so I know for Rick, the coaching staff, you know, it's it's getting guys to be selfless. It's getting them to play together and understand each other's tendencies and there's been changeover, right? So the bench unit hadn't quite had that. T.J. McConnell was talking about that this week, how uh, you know they're starting to feel some continuity, finally, maybe with that second unit. So that's something that was helpful. And Maybe they learned and grew from that San Antonio loss and how that performance and, and that mindset and certainly other things are unacceptable. On this road trip, they... More than just going to Buddy's Place in in Dallas, you had the team have a a night out at Nick and Sam's Steakhouse, which that's the St. Elmo's of Indy. uh, But for Dallas right there, uh, there's a back room. It's where Rick and the Mavericks used to spend a lot of time and have team dinners and and those sorts of things. Rick was joking how he saved up all his uh, money on the team credit card to splurge. I'm sure it was five figures. It had to be. um, Because one of the cool things that I've realized about Rick and heard from others and talking is those events are not just players or not just players and coaches everyone is welcome you're talking about trainers support staff uh, broadcasters everyone everyone in part of the traveling party is included in all of those and one idea that lloyd pierce had who has been instrumental in so many things behind the scenes with the spacers team is they wanted to get everyone involved and maybe a little bit competitive and force guys to talk and um you know be engaged and so one of the things lloyd decided to do is something he's done before with teams is uh split guys off into groups and then have them pick kind of their top top teams of all times kind of hold a draft of the top players of all time and then see where the players go with it and they got to work together um with their group you know maybe five six players at a group and and handle that and so um that that was cool, and I think it went over well uh, with the players while down there. Uh, the only good thing I can think of from that San Antonio stop was George Hill back in the starting lineup. It's where he started his career. Um, and he still has a home there. He has a ranch nearby. That's definitely on my to-do list. See if I can go down there and do a story with George Hill at his ranch, which he loves. It's peaceful. It's quiet. It's a way from professional sports and that life, and he can just be him and hunting and listening to country music and that sort of thing. The other visual I loved was seeing his oldest kid, Zayden, seven-year-old son, out on the court with the team before the game, putting up shots, You know, passing to James Johnson other stuff. That was really cool. Uh, one of my favorite things in recent years in terms of family was having Luis Scola's kids in the locker room that showed me a lot about kind of dad Lu- Luis's, how he wants to have them involved in so many different things and so uh, George when he was wrapping up here I think Zayden was just born or maybe one or two years old uh, and his daughter is, was not born yet I don't think um, and so you never really saw that a couple other players would occasionally have a A kid in the locker room, but Luis is the one that really stands out to me uh, more than anyone. Now, George, or excuse me, Roy Hibbert has an older kid, you know, probably five or six by now, I would guess. So it's fun to see those players develop personally and and what's going on in their personal lives uh, as well. But George Hill getting back to San Antonio, that had to be a blast for him. I wonder if he—I didn't get a chance to ask him on Monday, but he's got a favorite chicken spot. Not sure if he was able to to get his usual order or bring it in for the team. I don't think that was the case, but uh, I definitely am always curious about that. That's something special he enjoys showing off there. Last two games, what a play by Tyrese Halliburton, what he's been able to do. The game-winner in Chicago, oh, on top of that, 29 points, 11 assists to lead the way, and then he tops it, playing on Monday, second day of a back-to-back here, doing it against the 76ers. Finishes with 40 points. He nails three three three-pointers to end three of the four quarters. Didn't get an opportunity, I think it was, in the third quarter. Two of them counted. The first one was after the buzzer. That game was a lot of fun if you like offensive firepower, if you like scoring. It wasn't a a two-way game by any means. There was very little defense. (laughs) I think after the game it was Tyrese talking about how you know oftentimes you try to get three stops in a row. Well, this game, you just needed two, and maybe you were feeling good. You know, for most of the game, nobody led by more than six points. That's how close it was. Uh, It was an incredible game in terms of just the offense and Joel Embiid's domination, featured 24 ties, 32 lead changes. Usually games don't even have half that. Uh, So that was remarkable. And it also shows, hey, the Pacers can hang a little bit with a Joel Embiid uh, and James Harden-led group. Now, they were without P.J. Tucker, uh, did not have Tobias Harris, so they weren't at full strength. But uh, that was at least uh, visually a fun game to watch, even if it was and did come in a Pacers loss. Before that, though, they had won three or four games on that road trip, and had one four of their last six games. And as I record this ahead of Thursday's game, they're 29-37. and 37, So they're going to be a 30-win team. Remember the over-under from Vegas, I believe, was 24-and-a-half. So they've easily topped that. They won 25 games last year. They've topped that here with, what, 16 games left. So that's where they stand. And uh, a lot of it's about development. A lot of it is about seeing guys being put in situations. Jordan Nora has finished in double figures, five straight games. War is playing really good. And like I wrote on FieldhouseFiles.com, showing that he can do more than just scoring. He's rebounding well. Had many assists in a previous game. So shown out quite well uh, there. Pacers will host the Houston Rockets on Thursday. And then begin basically another road trip where they'll go to Detroit for a weekend series where they play Saturday, Monday, but are on the road for seven of their next eight. And with one quick game at home, that's basically eight straight games because you're never really able to settle in and such. And by that way, that one home game, it's against the Philadelphia 76ers, so it's not easy. And then once that long stretch is complete, you're already looking at the end of March and basically two weeks left in the season. And that will be five of their final seven games Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That wraps up kind of where we are to this point. And now coming up, I'll have Conrad Brunner, former Pacers writer. I'm sure you're familiar with his work or heard him on the radio and those different things. I wanted to talk about David Benner. On Wednesday, the team will be holding a public memorial service, 11 a.m., inside the Incher Pavilion at Gainbridge Fieldhouse. So if you hear this, you're welcome to join if you're in Indy. Uh, If not, I believe they're going to live stream it as well. So those outside this market should be able to watch, I believe. I'll be there. I know many different people across the league that are trying or planning to fly in to be there for Benner and his family. It's going to be an emotional day. Pacers did not practice on Tuesday I'm guessing they'll practice on Wednesday and then have the game on Thursday. But Wednesday mostly will be about Benner at the Fieldhouse. Can't forget in San Antonio is also great to see the coaches and staff wear special gray hoodies with David Benner's face on them. And then a few days later over the weekend, here's what Chrissy Myers, the Associate Director for Media Relations, had to say about the loss of her friend and former boss.
1: The outpouring of
2: Emails, calls, texts—everything that we've seen. I mean, we knew he was well loved. Uh, I had no idea it was gonna—it
0: was gonna be like this. It was—it's been absolutely amazing to hear hear from so many people. He—he he was my voice of reason. We all know I can get a little fiery and feisty from time to time, and he calmed me down and would help me kind of
2: come to a rational email or a rational text before I fired off what I actually wanted to say most of the time, <laughs> so gotcha. man, I'll miss that I mean more than that though I'll miss, I'll miss his friendship he was more than a friend he was he was mm-hmm.
0: everything to us and then to wrap up this podcast I'll bring in Justin he's a Pacers fan from Australia I've joined his podcast with a trio of hosts uh, it's the Paceroos but uh, he was in town in the United States the last couple of days with his partner Riley and she was lovely to meet as well and those two are Pacer fans and so they went to Chicago to see that game then they came to Indy returned to the field house to see what things were like here he hadn't been here since the renovations and such so it had been since pre-pandemic and more so a very fun conversation with him as well but first up my conversation with Conrad Brunner remembering David Benner All right, you read his work for more than a decade and our time on the beat overlapped for many years as he was a good veteran influence. It's Conrad Brunner. And, Conrad, first of all, can you kind of update us fans on what you've been up to the last several years kind of in this retirement life and what has it been like for you not living day-to-day by the Pacers' schedule?
1: Wait, I was a good influence? Since when? You were, absolutely. Okay.
0: It's good to hear. you were right next to me to my left after every single game and at every practice, so for sure. (laughs)
1: That's good to hear. I appreciate that. No, I uh, I found out that apparently I was destined to be retired because this is (laughs) uh, this has been the most fantastic. um, You know, just from a personal life standpoint, it's just been fantastic. I mean, uh, I I remember back in the old days, I used to argue with Donnie because we were both convinced. He was convinced that I was going to work forever, and I couldn't do anything but do what I was doing. And I was convinced that he was going to work forever and would you know would, would always be in that arena some, one way or another. And I said, I said Donnie, you know good and well, I've got a lot of things. I have a lot of hobbies, a lot of things I like to do that that my life will be full when I retire. And he goes, brother, one day your phone's going to ring and it's going to be me, and I'm going to just laugh, ha, <laughs> and say three words. I'm on the beach, Donnie. That's four words. Whatever it is, it's I won't care. I'll be on the beach
0: that's
1: he didn't retire and he seems to be happy and son of a gun if i didn't retire and i'm really really happy i didn't plan to it just Mm -hmm. kind of happened uh due to circumstances over at the radio station i was like you know what Nah, this i guess this is it and it's it's worked out
0: that's so good to hear and on top of that you did beat donnie to retirement he's now retired well, but yeah
1: I, only because i had to only because <laughs> only because no one would hire me retirement is sometimes forced when you can't get another job
0: the other challenge though is and especially for athletes because they are so young but you always wonder about what's next will anything pique my interest or keep me busy and so i'm glad you've absolutely found that it's good to talk with you i hate that it's under these circumstances of course but Wanted to bring you on to talk about our friend David Benner, who passed away. It's now been a week. Uh, it was fantastic. At the game on Monday night, the team honoring him by you know, all kinds of different things. A photo, notably, and leaving his seat open right there at the scores table next to Dean Haviland. But uh, we knew it was coming. Um, Maybe not so soon. But just what was your kind of your first reaction to see we lost Benny? Just 67 years old. And the biggest disappointment more than anything, I think, is the fact that he was barely into his retirement, so he didn't really get to live that life. Yeah, and,
1: and he had he had some good plans too. That it's um it's hard for me to think of David and not smile. Um, and, and I and I know this is a difficult time and his family's going through um, you know, just you know, a very an incredibly difficult time. But my memories of him and I, I was fortunate enough and you know, fortunate enough to be able to visit him when he was in hospice and we were able to have, a you know, a good chat with some friends and, you know, just kind of close doors that you you, know, so you don't always get that chance. And I, and I felt like that was a, an important thing to be able to do for him and for me. And, you know, the, the, I'll tell you this. I, I always knew Benny was funny and I knew he was smart and I knew that he had the patience of Job, but... I never really appreciated how tough that son of a gun was because to deal with what he dealt with for the off and on for the better part of two decades. I mean, Scott, this was a guy that wore at work a, a, a chemo pump on his belt while working. So this, this is a guy that, um, you know, he, he you had, he, there was nothing that was going to keep him away from the patients that uh, other than this,
0: I guess. And we all have our times when we complain and such, but I honestly can't remember him ever complaining about his circumstances or visibly showing how he was having a tough day. As, as we've all, you know, he, we know he's that curmudgeon, right? Like, that's part of who he is. Uh, you know, he can get irritable about certain things, but I never heard him really complain about this, and you're right. It, it was not just new. This is his third bout with cancer that lasted more than a decade.
1: You know, Benny. Benny was one of those guys that had this. It seemed to be limitless patience and tolerance and calm, uh, and it served me very well. Uh, both when we were on the beat together, mm-hmm. and I was young and energetic and enthusiastic and aggressive and go 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 go, and he was like, "Calm down." <laughs> and you know, and then when I the Pacers, you know, I navigating working in a franchise for me was really challenging. At t- I mean, really challenging at times. And I, had he not been there, I'm not sure I would have lasted six months, but he was there thankfully. And I, I was able to last 11 years. And um, yeah, he's, he's just, he's one of those special people. And it, it, to me, I have to say it's been really heartwarming to see everything the Pacers have done. How, I mean, I saw a big article on ESPN about it. I, you know, you never know what the reaction is going to be, but it just tells you how universally loved and respected this guy was. And Scott, you're there, I'm not. I have got to get one of those shirts, man.
0: Yeah, there's something special about him in the way in which he approached the job and to last that many years quite honestly. That is difficult in this day and age. You see turnover and new head coaches bringing their own guy. And so for him to last and and I think as I forget who said it, someone within the organization, it, he was just the biggest advocate and also the biggest protector. I think, for the franchise. We didn't. We all never always got along with him. Certainly not. That That's part of the job. But you could at least understand where he was coming from and, and why he took a position he took.
1: Yeah, and again, his, his limitless patience, you could always tell. Like with me, Scott, you know this. Yeah. Everyone within a three-mile radius could tell when I was having a bad day. Uh, it was a little tougher to tell with Benny because he just always was so level-headed. But every once in a while, he got what we would call the round mouse when he was mad and he was having a bad day or if he was you know if if he was in one you know what i'm talking about his mouth would kind of form this little round shape and you could you knew the next few words coming out were not going to be polite or pleasant but yeah yeah the other beyond those rare times though he was i mean for every he was a counselor you know he he counseled people he gave advice he it just, it, the number of ways that he positively impacted people's lives. So I'm, I'm just going to speak for me for my impact in my life. I, I don't, we don't have enough time. We just don't. It's
0: notable that to me that you mentioned that because in our last conversation, I feel kind of selfish. Now it was me seeking him for media relations advice. That was our last conversation. Now I tried to get more out of him. How is he doing? And And like I was addressing earlier, like he never really complained or at least to me, never really fully opened up of all the the physical toll and emotional toll it had to be taking on him. It was always just like, I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. Anyways, that that was the extent of it. But to your point, yeah, I mean, it was going to him for advice. How would you handle something? This is tough. And, you know, he sat me down and very straightforward, said, yeah, this is difficult, but maybe try this, this and this and, and see where that takes you.
1: He, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story in that regard. Way back, I mean, way back, uh, when we were both beat writers, he was at the Star and I was at the News. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was obviously much more established in Indianapolis, and I was kind of the, you know, the smart aleck newcomer. But after after a couple of years, as the team started to get better, it became evident they only had one PR person at the time. Uh, Dale Ratterman was his name. And while as good as he was at his job, he needed help. That there was a lot more attention being focused on the team in the the early 90s as things started to to turn a little bit. And so I went to Donnie Walsh and I had this master plan. I said, Donnie, you need to reorganize your front office. You need to expand your PR department uh, and you need to bring in a a, a PR director under Ratterman. Ratterman should be a vice president. You need somebody that can do the day-to-day yada yada. He goes, okay, I'll give you three days, write it down and and give it to me. (laughs) Well, three days later, I submitted the plan, and the plan had uh, a new PR director, uh, me. Uh, I was I was supposed to I was doing this because I was trying to trying to get in. Then I thought, you know, I that that would be a great way for me to get off the road and mm-hmm. you know have a regular job because at the time you have no idea how much a PR guy works. The hours, you know, you you think it's a nine to five job Monday through Friday, and it, it, and you think it's more stable, and it's really not. It's just nuts. But long story short, my plan was to get me in that job. Well Donnie approved the plan. Uh, he approved the plan. He made some restructures to the front office. He he added the PR director's job, but he gave he he left it to Ratterman to make the hire, and Ratterman hired Benner. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so So the, the 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 thing about it was oh. I was kind of mad for about an hour. And then I talked I I talked to my wife and my wife said, "Do you really think if you look in the mirror and you look into your heart, do you really think you could do PR? And I said, yeah. Yeah, they hired the right guy. (laughs) It's just like, you know, I did all this work and made all these plans thinking I was going to get this job, and they created the job and they hired Benner, And I couldn't even be mad at him about it because he was better suited for it than I was.
0: Yeah, it's an absolutely tough job. Like, I can't – even from what we see, we don't even see the scope of it, right, in terms of how you got to have a tolerance – um, and a balance of emotions and talk sometimes players into doing certain things. One of my favorite things of all sometimes. the years. Okay. A lot of times for the most part, <laughs> Tyrese is great. Paul was great. Victor was at the beginning. For example, the guy that stands out to me, you were right there all the time in that tunnel when they used didn't have the practice facility. So they were over at the field house. It was the game of catching George Hill every single time. And it almost essentially then became a game more than it was a, trying to avoid it. But I mean, he would go the opposite end of the arena. He would go through hallways and cut through doors and DB had to chase him down and sometimes tackle him in fun.
1: And before that, it was Reggie Miller.
0: I mean, Reggie, Reggie, uh,
1: the many different personalities of Reggie and I, you know, Benner's greatest gift in his job was his ability to manage Reggie. Um, And we had, Reggie and I had some really, really bad moments, um, but Benner, as the intermediary, intermediary helped uh, helped talk us both off our respective ledges, and, and you know we we have still as, as a result a, a really nice relationship to this day. But Ben Jermaine O'Neal, I mean, think of, he went through all the club nightclub stuff mm-hmm. and the just the brawl, just the number of things that he had to deal with in that position, and man, you know, comes out of it. You know, looking, looking like 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 a great professional that the Indiana Pacers should thank their lucky stars that they had.
0: Yeah, because that could not have been easy. And the thing that stood out to oh. me about that, and, and a variety of things, is he didn't mind that you were writing about it. It's news. It's a, you absolutely have to cover it. Again, the quote that's stuck in my mind: "It's positive or negative, just be fair." And that be was that was his description. All
1: both sides. Make sure you put in phone calls to both sides. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's about us and it's negative, make sure we have a chance to talk about it. You know, and that's absolutely a basic rule number one of any uh, journalist's responsibilities to make sure you get both sides. But, you know, there were even with that, there were there were moments. There were always moments you were going to clash. It was inevitable. But of course, you know, with him with him with him and me it was mainly about nascar cuz i never really got nascar he loved it and he never got f1 and i love it so you know some some things you just can't patch
0: there was that and of course then always the the amount of dave matthews band concerts he, he oh. loved and and the other thing um, i always enjoyed was and this was probably i would guess towards his, the latter end of his working career i'm not sure about the beginning but he always hated that new york trip and avoided it if he could because he didn't want to deal with the tickets and all the little extra things that went into the New York trip um, each year. The big cities, really.
1: Well, and back in the day, it was different because that's when Reggie adopted, you know, that's when Reggie, instead of just being Reggie, he would have the sunglasses and he would start talking in the soft voice. And it, the, the what he would talk about would change 180 degrees from what he would talk about while he was with the, the small-time local media. Ah. Um but that was that was that was like entering another world when Reggie when Reggie went to New York. So, uh, I will say this, Scott: as happy, as much love as I felt, feel for Benner, and I really only have one regret. We talked about probably three years ago. I, I'm a camper. I, I have an RV, and my wife and I like to drive around and, and uh, camp, particularly during the summer. Um, and I told him, Benny, I got this great RV you and I have got to road trip to Daytona and we'd sort of loosely planned it for a couple of years ago, but then COVID hit and that kind of blew that off. And, you know, this year just, you know, was, it couldn't happen. And I I really think of, of all the things that we've done together in our lives that were, can't be talked about on this podcast. Um, I think that would that would have been an absolute blast because he he might have might have been able to get me to like NASCAR a little. But I know I would have loved that, that uh, being able to spend a few days on the road with him and then hanging out in the in the parking lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And swapping stories for hours. And there's nothing like seeing someone's love through their own eyes. And so you would have enjoyed NASCAR from his vantage point, him in the RV and, and experiencing like that, that you've really gotten into. So. Oh, my goodness, yeah, that that would have been a blast. You brought up Reggie, so I'm curious, what, what do you think it was about those two that connected so well? Because, to me, that was the biggest connect, keeping Reggie tied to the franchise. Because, quite honestly, he doesn't do local interviews. It's Dan Patrick and national stuff and TNT. He'll come back for Benner, but really hasn't done much other stuff, unfortunately. What was it about those two that really hit it off for all those years?
1: Honestly, I think it was just that Benner didn't BS him. You know, he 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 knew when kid gloves were necessary, when it was a difficult or gentle situation and you had to deal with them a certain way. But most of the time, I think Reggie appreciated because when you become a superstar athlete, your world, your your orbit is filled with people who want to please you. They want to make you happy. They want you to to be happy. And while Benner, of course, wanted that, and he did want to please her, he also knew that the best way for Reggie to to truly be happy, to truly was to truly understand what was being asked of him, what was being said, what it meant, uh, and when he was stepping out a little bit too much, when he was crossing lines, mm-hmm. and Benner would flat tell him, he just flat would, yeah, uh, and you know those little. St- Uh, that little rant that he would go on when Benner would bring him his cup of, you know, his cup of his drink before the game. Uh, You know, they just, that sort of encapsulated those two that, you know, it's just, you can't even put it into words, um, you know, for Reggie to come back for Benner uh, and really for nothing else is, it says all you need to say.
0: Well, Conrad, this was a lot of fun. And I'll tell you what, it, it's been kind of weird the last several years. No you, no Mark Monteith on the beat anymore. I'm the old guy now. This is very strange. Is I'm not going to lie.
1: <laughs> that is weird. You as the senior member of the media, you're supposed to be the kid we always you know, have fun with.
0: Yeah, and, and had to help keep me in check a little bit. I, I was that anxious, eager beaver to get started, right? <laughs>
1: Hey, why didn't you go to Chicago? I heard Carlisle gave you a little grief about that.
0: Yeah, we can talk about that (laughs) offline.
1: You can always count on Rick, can't you?
0: That's the perfect example of we miss you, DB. That's all I got to (laughs) say. Thank you, Conrad. I appreciate the time. All
1: right, Scott. Anytime. Thanks. It's nice to be remembered.
0: All right. For part two of the podcast, I wanted to bring on a special guest, a first-time guest. I was surprised at the Pacer game on monday night when this guy pulled me aside i go "What? Well, hey there you are i've seen you on zoom and that's justin from the paceroos from the a podcast covering the pacers from an australian perspective so i wanted to hear about how his visit to the states to chicago and then indianapolis went mate how you doing uh how was the last couple of days for you
2: yeah hey mate thanks for having me on i'm uh, i'm actually a long-time listener of your podcast so <laughs> appreciate that Privileged to be on. You're my favorite Pacers podcast to listen to, so thanks, Scott. Um, yeah, it's, it's really been cool. We traveled up to America just for a bit of a holiday, and I always, when I come to America, try and tie it in with some Pacer games, so the back-to-back opportunity with the Chicago game and then last night's game in, uh, at home against Philadelphia was a perfect opportunity. and. Yeah, we went to the Bulls game, which was fantastic. Obviously, everyone knows Tyrese Halliburton's game-winning three was amazing, and we got really good seats—very um, expensive seats, might I add.
0: Good um, work. There you go. You know <laughs> right somebody important. You. It sounds like.
2: Oh well, I, I know John Christopher, the massage therapist for the Indiana Pacers. He's Absolutely. Got an Australian connection. He's from Australia in Canberra, and we got him on the Paceroos one day, and we've connected and spoke ever since. But I did purchase the Chicago Bulls ticket off my own bat. Um, It was right near the the bench, and I had a behind view of Halliburton's three-point over Pat Beverly's head, which was very good.
0: So many things I want to get into with you, but I guess – First of all, I think probably the the fan listening is wondering, you're in Australia, you follow the Pacers, you talk about them on a podcast. Why? How do you get into the Pacers? So I'm going to guess, like many, uh, Holly Lee from Pacers China was here last week, I think it was, which is awesome, was able to get coffee with him. For him, it was Reggie Miller and many. Was that the case for you, or, and if not, what was it?
2: I'd love to give you a better answer, but yeah, it's Reggie Miller. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I fell in love with him. I loved, you know, his enemy type attitude and his clutchness. Like, I play basketball. I'm a three point shooter. I got that from Reggie. I like to talk trash on the court. So, yeah, definitely Reggie Miller. And, and yeah, with the Pace Roos podcast from Australia, it was myself, Adam, and Alex. We just started it up as kind of a COVID project. We were all a bit bored and mm-hmm. said, you know, let's just do it for fun. We expected about three listeners a week, but um, <laughs> it's it's just flown off, I guess. We've had. Pacer fans who have branched out in Australia, all over Australia, say, Oh my God, I can't believe there's more Pacer fans than just me. And it just blew up with it. You know, had Kevin Pritchard on the show, Miles Turner did our introduction. And yeah, look at the experience I did last night because of it. It was, it's just truly amazing.
0: Yeah. And I've been on that podcast. You guys do a great job. And I think I'm pretty much Ry- Alex's agent here. I don't know why the Pacers have not hired him as a video guy from afar. I don't care that he doesn't live in Indiana. He's the best guy doing Pacers videos, and he has been for like a decade now. Um, but uh, So so you get to Indianapolis. That was not your first time, as you explained to me. You had been previously. Um, but the building was much different. Uh, I'm sure you still take time. Maybe Did you get time to maybe go to the Reggie Miller portrait or mural downtown? Anything like that. What stood out to you, Justin, about this visit for you?
2: To be honest, it's just how nice the pace of staff is. That's what stood out to me the most. Just having interactions, even with yourself. Last night, Scott, you know, coming up to you, you didn't really know I was there, and just chatting to you, and you were so friendly and talking for ten minutes before the game about everything going on. So I, that's kind of the biggest thing I've got out about it. I was lucky enough to do a little tour of the stadium yesterday and met Good. met some extra staff, and um, yeah, it's a, it's just truly amazing how I know I know how lucky and privileged I am. I know. If I was a Lakers or a Golden State fan and I was traveling from Australia, they, they wouldn't care at all. They'd just be like, oh, yeah, whatever. We get Australians here all the time. But the Pacers, every time I've come here, you've mentioned I've been here a few times. For the OG Pacer fans listening, I was part <laughs> of Roy Hibbert's Area 55. And um, he was amazing to me. But, yeah, they just they go above and beyond for me. Every time I'm here and I, I can't be thankful enough. And the Reggie Mur- Miller mural, um, um, that's on my to-do list. I okay. definitely want to get to that today before I leave.
0: Yeah, you absolutely have to. It's a wide open parking lot. You and your partner, Riley, can get in there, get a couple photos. You'll absolutely love that. And uh, the, your podcast hosts, your co-hosts, will be definitely jealous about that experience. Uh, something we briefly talked about before the game was you're like, hey, should I ask a question? I was like, yes, of course you got to ask a question to Rick Carlisle. So there you were post-game with a few of us that are there each game and you grab the mic and what did I tell you first of all he commented on the accent I'm sure you're used to that by now but you need to explain to me maybe I'm not cultured what was the joke about a knife do you understand that because I didn't
2: oh I was so nervous I'm I'm glad you and Tony East kind of revved me up a bit to ask a question because you have I didn't want to yeah I had to I didn't want to make all you professional guys look you know oh, this australian's just asking a stupid question but yeah look when he overspoke me about the knife thing i was like what is going on but i messaged a few mates back home and you know, i think it's off the simpsons where like some guys like oh you know it's a knifey spoony thing and crocodile dundee and that sort of thing huh um, okay and i've but, never yeah. seen the
0: simpsons so that that makes sense why maybe i don't get that reference
2: yeah, but it, it was very <laughs> – I lost I lost my train of thought. I was like, oh, my God, what I was going to ask him. So mm-hmm. um, I'm glad I got it out in the end. And the Pacers actually used the question and answer about Halliburton on their team graphics. So I was pretty pleased with that.
0: Yeah, you, you elicited a really good, thoughtful response from Rick about Tyrese and what he continues and – mean to this franchise and how he has not even reached his ceiling just yet so yeah I know I'll be using it I'm sure some of the other writers will as well because it was a really good quote about kind of encapsulating what Tyrese meets to the means to this franchise and I guess from afar what have you observed what do you like about Tyrese both as the player and now the face of this team
2: it's amazing as you would know Scott and all the other Pacer fans the last probably three to four years has maybe been a bit of a struggle to watch the team day in, day out. If you're a yeah. avid fan or, or cover the team, if you've watched all 82 games like I have, it's it's been a bit of a struggle. And I, I got the opportunity to sit down with Tyrese for five minutes last night. Hey,
0: be, look at yeah. that. I didn't yeah, know about he,
2: that. Well done. He was awesome. Um, I just spoke to him and I actually thanked him. I said, look, you probably don't understand what... You know, you've done for someone like me in Australia who watches all eighty-two games, and Mm -hmm. how much how much more enjoyable it is to watch this fast-paced offense. And um, you can really see the culture, as as we all know. Like, you know, the players like each other. Tyre seems such like a good leader. It's it's a lot easier to watch this team, even if they are struggling in some sense. It's a lot easier to sit down and watch a game, and I'm sure you'd agree. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's the difference now is it's not just a likable group um, or a watchable product, I should say. It was previously a likable group. But what you're seeing now is at minimum it's fun, it's high-paced. As we saw last night, there were plenty of points to be scored, even if it wasn't a high-level game in terms of two-way basketball. But I think something Tyrese, being a Midwest guy, he kind of understands this city. And you talked about it earlier, who's your hospitality and people looking out for each other and wanting the best for – each other. That's true in most cases. Uh, there's a few exceptions, but uh, Tyrese has done fabulous things for this franchise, and it's amazing that he's not even in his first full year. Uh, he's still about to complete that, so at, what, 23 years old, an All-Star, uh, that's a blast. Uh, I'm curious, what did you think of the game environment? Uh, it was a little bit different. It's not always uh, filled with, you know, Will Ferrell and 50 Cent <laughs> and several Colts people and stuff like that, but as kind of an outsider who's not there very often, what do you think about the product in game, not on TV, but at the game?
2: Isn't that just a standard pace of things having Will Ferrell there every game?
0: Yeah, they just ordered that <laughs> up. Yeah, no big deal. I think he's got season tickets, maybe right?
2: <laughs> no, no, it's it's a great question. I thought I thought the fans were much kind of louder than when I've previously previously been there in in, in seasons past. Yeah. Um, Obviously, it was such a high-scoring game. Like, the, the, it was a strange game to kind of watch because no one really got more than, like, a six, seven-point lead and it was just basket after basket so quickly. But, um, yeah, the, the Pacer fans are really great, I think. You know, we just need that atmosphere to come back when they hopefully make the playoffs in a uh, season or two, um, and yeah, hopefully the field house can be rocking again. But yeah, I was at the the biggest takeaway I got was actually being at the Chicago game the night before and okay. sitting sitting next to all the Bulls fans and having them talk smack to me all game, and just that sweet satisfaction of Tyrese hitting that shot really shut them up.
0: Who do, who do you think your typical Australian NBA fan is, is rooting for? Um is there any, I mean I the first guy that came to my mind was Joe Ingles. Um yeah. uh that tall point guard who used to play in Utah. I can't mistake. He didn't really pan out. That was the other guy I was thinking about. Oh, Patty Mills. Exum. Yeah, Exum. Patty Mills maybe. But who else am I, should I be thinking of?
2: Yeah, Patty Mills is probably the the country's favorite, okay. just mainly because, you know, the Olympic, he carried the team for their first bronze medal ever. Yep. Um, yep. I'd say Josh Giddy's up and coming. Like, a, a lot of people are starting to really love Josh Giddy's game. Just played in the NBL with my hometown team, the Adelaide 36ers. He's really up and coming. Um, yeah, Joe Ingles is a fan favorite as well. Yeah. Uh, Look, I don't think many Australians like Ben Simmons too much. With everything that's gone on, and he's to kind of put a bit of a dent on Australian basketball worldwide, <laughs> which isn't <laughs> isn't very good, um good. But M- NBA wise, you know, I think a lot of Australian fans just just follow players. They'll they'll follow whatever team LeBron's on, or sure. you, you know, oh, I just like Luca. I like watching Luca play. Whereas you know, I'm just an avid Pacer fan. No matter who who's on the team, that's who I'll follow. No matter what.
0: I want to go back to your relationship, and one of the reasons you were there was uh, one of the massage therapists, John Christopher, an Australian and Aussie, and uh, you know he's done great work. the The players really seem to latch on and like him. I haven't really got a chance to interact or grab a beer or anything with him by any means. But uh, what has that relationship been like for you? Striking that up and, and kind of having one of your own within the team, maybe.
2: I, I actually can't express words how how great it is. John has got to be one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life and I'm not just saying that for the podcast. He you know, it's the first time I met him 2 3 days ago in person. Obviously we have zoomed on our podcast, but just having that Australian connection on the paces is, is really unique and you know, he we we had dinner with him one night in Chicago. He's taken time outside of his personal life and business life to kind of reach out to me and Riley and just give us an amazing experience that I guess money can't buy We've just really like I've seen how he works with the players and how much the players love him. I saw that interaction yesterday where he was talking to Tyrese and, you know, buddy Hill, and you can just tell the players absolutely love him. He's got a really unique connection with TJ McConnell. They, they share, you know, stories about wine and they actually shared an Australian wine from my home state, which I asked TJ McConnell about last night. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's just fantastic. I can't thank John enough and the entire Pacers team for kind of everything they've done for me. I can't
0: let you go without following up on that last question. That's one of the big things I talk with TJ a lot. He's not quite a sommelier, but big wine advocate. We both have the wine Bible and talk about that a lot. So tell me about this Australian wine, and did you get anything more from TJ about all that?
2: Oh uh, yeah, so TJ mentioned he had Penfolds wine, which is uh, from okay. South Australian uh, winery, which is yeah very popular. I think John got that in for him, and yeah, I've been trying to bugle the paces, saying you know every every player I spoke to yesterday, I said you know when are you coming down to Australia? We've got to get you down, you know, do a trip with John, and I think the only it might surprise you, uh, the only player who's actually going to maybe come down his buddy healed
0: (laughs) as long as there's a basketball court where he can get shots up every day i'm sure definitely he's down for stuff like that no that's really cool and and really cool to see how john and so many of the pacers treated you and riley last night that had to just be a joy for you to have such a successful trip when you invest your money and want to see the team that you grew up rooting for. So that's fantastic. Any last thoughts about your experience or your visit with the Pacers, Justin?
2: Oh, I just, I guess if anyone's listening within the team or um, anyone I met throughout my stays, just thank you so much for being so welcoming. I I know people can feel different about international fans coming because I know sometimes they feel like I, I might maybe get a special treatment that others can't in Indiana. And I do understand that, but everyone I've met throughout the team and, you know, yourself and Tony East and everyone was just so nice. I guess the the most worrying thing was just Rick Carlo asking if I had a knife. So I got <laughs> go over that
0: and I'm all good. I think that needs to be part of your intro. Rick always has a couple shots and playfulness with me. And I threw one in to uh, start my last podcast and this one as well. So maybe that becomes part of your intro with the Paceroos. I don't know.
2: Definitely. If it can pass security on Spotify, we'll be good.
0: (laughs) I appreciate it, Justin. Thanks for joining and very good to catch up with you last night. Thanks, Scott. I really appreciate it.